Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Travis. John is on vacation right now at the time of this recording. So this episode is all by myself. Today's guest is, it's kind of weird. I'm not going to lie to you guys. If you, I'm, I feel a little awkward doing an episode by myself without John. But maybe someday in the future, he might have to do one by himself. So we got to get used to this. Uh, but today's episode is with Thomas Rosinski. And today we cover topics of how ideas and concepts change from white to black. And today's conversation is great with Thomas. If you guys don't know who Thomas Rosinski is, he's a third degree black belt. Uh, he is the owner of Roll Academy in the Chicago area, does Roll Radio, uh, Roll Academy Online, also Ask a Black Belt podcast. And I wanted to talk to him about it because I wanted to get his perspective of someone that's been doing jujitsu for 20 plus years on how these things have have changed for him and how they might look for someone right now in their journey and kind of hopefully give them a path to how it can change for them too. You know what I mean? So some of the topics we cover today are the idea of space, the idea of education, tracking your jujitsu journey, uh, and just like a whole, a whole bunch of different other things that I think you guys are going to have a, a great time listening to. So thank you, Thomas, for for coming on the show like usual. Um, and then other than that, I don't really have anything. This is a pretty short intro. I'll keep it simple. That way you guys get straight into the interview. So thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Drop a DM on which, which concept might have been the biggest game changer for you. And uh, let me know what you guys think. Thanks for listening. Peace. Thomas Rosinski, how's it going, man? Welcome back to the Elbows Tight Podcast. I know we've been keeping in touch quite a bit out after our episode, but uh, I've been wanting to have you back on, and we finally made it happen. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. It's always great to uh, catch up with you and, and and have the great conversation. No, man, I, I greatly appreciate it. Today's topic uh, we kind of talked about before before recording and also through, through the gram. Today, what I really want to cover is concepts and ideas uh, that have changed since from white belt to black belt. And for those at home, what I'm talking about is recently uh, our black belt has been teaching more con uh, conceptual ideas in our classes. And one thing that's really changed for me is the idea of what it means to have space, take space, give space, and all that stuff. And that's really changed my idea on other things in jujitsu that I thought I kind of understood, but didn't really understand. And the longer I've been a blue belt, the more I've realized like, oh man, I don't know anything about jujitsu. So Thomas, if you guys don't know who he is, he is a third degree black belt up in Chicago area. He owns Roll Academy, does Roll Radio, a fantastic podcast, uh, Roll Academy online and all that stuff. Um, and we've, if you guys want to know more of the background on how he got into jujitsu and everything like that, you can go listen to, oh man, I should have looked up what episode it was, but his previous episode with us. And uh, it was a great conversation. We kind of talked a lot about in our previous episode uh, about competition, promotions and stuff like that. And it was a, a fantastic, a fantastic conversation. And so I'm looking forward to having another one today, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, uh, again, it's great to be here. Isn't it interesting how more, more you train jiu-jitsu, more you realize how much more there is to it. It's like there, <laughs> there is this. What is this saying? Uh, there, there, there's this phrase. Um, uh, more, you, more you learn, less you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's like it, it, more you dip deeper, more you go deeper into it. It's like another door, another door, another. Oh yeah. my God! Now there's a whole stadium in front of you. <laughs> yeah like it, it just yeah, never ends yeah it's so, so crazy and that's like kind of like what i mentioned is you know uh you, even as a seasoned blue belt you know i just i said on the last episode i got my third strap on my blue belt so now i'm feeling you know like i'm less likely to quit so it's <laughs> like <laughs> so now you know these these different these different ideas are really starting to change for me and like I mentioned before, the 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 first one that really kind of opened my eyes was the idea of space. When when I first started jujitsu, I thought I you know, I heard the saying, whoever controls the space controls the pace, right? Mm -hmm. 
And to me, that meant I better hug them close. Don't let them do anything. I can't let them get away from me. Right. I have to I have to be the aggressor. I have to be the one taking up this space as much as possible. Right. But now I've come to realize that that's not true at all. Sometimes you have to give space in order to take space. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So how has how has that idea changed for you? Yeah. I mean, over time, it's almost like evolution of its own. You know, because it, 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 I often feel that once we have a deeper understanding on a concept or, or a subset of techniques or, or a little system, whatever it is, you know, somebody does something and it's like, oh crap, like everything I thought I knew, it, now it's being questioned. Now, now it's, is a subject to change. And it's like, damn it, I got to start over here. You know, so it, it's, it, and I think that we all go through this cycle, if you will. Uh, of these, you know, I'm getting there. I, I, you know, I, I finally have this under control and like somebody does something unpredictable and it's like, okay, back to the drawing board. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Did I waste my time? You know, and I, I don't think necessarily is wasting our time because, it, you know, if it was wasting our time, we would not be making any progression. So just the fact that we are progressively getting better, um, you know, is a testimonial of the fact that we are growing. Now, because jujitsu is so unpredictable because the evolution of jiu-jitsu continues growing and then we are growing at the same time with different pace between different people different academies different you know places where we train it's like never ending race without the finish line almost right it's like we we are almost going and 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 we have to continue adapting to these situations so it's interesting and and a space control of the space often is one of the hardest items for for um, for a student to to understand, you know, because it's just like what you mentioned, I think that's very common, and I think our human brains, you know, work in a, in, a, in a way where we say, you know, control the space, then automatically we say, well, remove all the space, don't let it move, remove it, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it, you know, removing the space doesn't always mean a good thing. Removing the space that also means that you are committing yourself to the other person, so. You know, now who's really in charge, you know? And mm-hmm. I often say, I often say jujitsu is like a trade. I have to give something up to gain something else. And it's never one-sided trade. It never happens that way. So what I mean by that, if I give up space, you know, now there's attachment. So I sacrifice space, but I have attachment. Now, if I attach myself, I, you know, and if I give up the attachment, now there is space. So it's one or the other. Now, the, the trick really is to figure out which one is more useful, which one I can capitalize on at this particular point with the surroundings that I'm finding myself in. That's the hard part, you know. So um, th- this is th- this is where the maturity of jiu-jitsu comes in, time spent on the mat and really trying to understand it and studying it. And then, and then, then again, your buddy comes along and, he throws a wrench into the whole thing and you scratching your head and, you know, we kind of, that's the beauty behind it, isn't it? I mean, it would be kind of boring if it was any other way. Agreed. And I, I even think not only is in a practical standpoint of application of technique during sparring or something like that, that this happens too, but when a new instructor or you go to a seminar or something mm-hmm. like that, and then you start hearing from other people, you're like, oh my God, it's like you mentioned it, you know, it's kind of, I, I thought I was understanding. I, this is part of, prime example, like this is part of my game. You go to a seminar thinking like, ah, they'll just kind of like hone my sword a little bit. And then you get there and you're like, my sword is completely dull. Like yeah. I, got, I thought like I, I don't even have a sword. Like this is a wooden stick <laughs> in the backyard. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you just, your mind just opens uh-huh. up to all these new, these new things. I went to a Carlson Gracie Jr. seminar mm-hmm. and uh, here in, in Washington and he he was teaching just like such very basic and simple things during his seminar and i was sitting there like this is i do this stuff and i've been apparently i've been doing it wrong you know yes. <laughs> and it it was cool because it it opened another gateway of possibilities to what my technique can accomplish you know yeah and and i think that's a very common feeling even for more advanced more advanced individuals, even for black belts. I mean, these conversations take place not only on the, you know, with, with your peers, but legit with other black belts. Like it happens over and over and over 
even for me personally, I'm sitting now with the guys who've been on the mat for 20, 30 years and something comes along, there's a question and it's like, how you do it? What about this? What do you think about this? And then it's like, damn it, for 20 years, literally, I've been doing it this way and nobody ever told me about this. Like, how is this even physically possible that I've never stumbled upon? Forget about someone intentionally telling me, but like, how come I didn't trip over this? Like, <laughs> why, why I never noticed this part? And, but again, I think if you look at, if you look at jujitsu from kind of a holistic, very high level perspective, it is so broad. It is so huge that you're talking about ocean of, 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 you know, and we, the ocean amount of information and we are just like one little drop, you know? So knowing everything is impossible. And, and I truly believe that knowing all of the jujitsu is impossible for all, for any of us. And there are some brilliant minds in jujitsu, you know, who know a lot, but I think, you know, even them, you know, even those brilliant guys, you know, they, I don't know if they know everything. I don't know if there is such thing as knowing everything, you know, right. but I think we can drive towards knowing a lot and really understanding it. And in the beginning, you, you mentioned a, a conceptual, conceptual teaching and conceptual understanding of jujitsu. And I think that, that that's the, that, that's the, the new approach of jujitsu, which, which I find very appealing. You know, somebody, a couple years ago, somebody said, you know, conceptual jujitsu is like, um, it's like an alphabet, right? One can learn the words of the new language, or you can learn the letters and create your own words, mm. you know? So, um, in a sense, understanding concepts is, is you understand the mechanics and you understand, you know, how it, how it works, from a physics perspective and a human body, but you don't have to memorize individual steps. And zero steps are, are up to you as a student or as a practitioner to manipulate to your own need. And, and there's, there has to be something behind this, you know, from a truth perspective, because think about it. I mean, 20 year old individual who's less hypothetically just say he's 170 pounds is going to move mechanically completely different than somebody who's 50 and is 250. Right. I mean, those two bodies cannot move the same way. It, it there's just different weight associated with it with different, different agility, different, different way how their joints and, and, and their bodies move. And, and so there has to be some unique way of combining all of this and allowing students to understand across the larger or broader, uh, broader spectrum. So I, I've been a big fan of, of conceptual jujitsu and um, allowing the students to really understand how it works and allowing them also to create their own interpretation of it. Yeah, kind of to your point, too, where you talk about, you know, we're just a droplet of water in the ocean. And to, to me, it's like the ocean is continually getting bigger, too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like our drop it means much less as the whole knowledge of jujitsu continues yeah. to grow, too. And I think... When it comes to things like even techniques, understanding how to apply a technique, like you mentioned also, it's not always going to be uh, one of our previous guests. He mentioned, you know, as a coach, his his job is to teach a technique to where you can recognize that, yeah, I may not have steps one through three, but right now I'm in steps three through eight mm -hmm. or four through eight. So I still can execute the technique as long as I can understand the concept of what the technique is. Mm -hmm. How do we get how do is it is it just time on mat that the, you know we start understanding these things, or is there a, a better way that we can show students, uh, you know, particularly newer uh, pr practitioners, on um, how to how to visualize these these roadways with you know different forks to where they can still get to the same destination? Yeah, th I think that's the tricky question, and I think a lot of instructors struggle with that. Um, how to teach most effectively? And before I even answer that question, you know, I, I think the downfall of jiu-jitsu, one of the weaknesses of jiu-jitsu is the teaching part, you mm -hmm. know, it, it, because jiu-jitsu is so fun. And I think it, it, as it has been, as it was developed over time, you know, whether Japan or Brazil, the whole evolution over decades and, you know, and, and um, the entire time, I, I don't think there was a much thought put into how to teach, mm -hmm. you know, it was more of a fighting style and, 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 and we talk about this on, on my podcast quite frequently with different guests, but it's just because you are black belt does not make you a phenomenal teacher. 
Now, you might know jujitsu, and there's no question about this, but teaching to others is a very different skill. And I think a lot of that success from a student perspective to your question, you know, leans onto the teacher. You know, and it, it is the teacher's responsibility to show those routes, to show those forks, to make some of those decisions, or at least encourage students to make some of those decisions. Now, as an instructor, I cannot do all the work for the student. You know, right. and actually you can only recent, teach so much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. And especially today when everything is available on our devices and 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 the data is so accessible to everybody, you know, I think the function of the instructor has changed over the last few decades too. You know, before you know, even when I was starting, the, the, the instructor or the teacher, you know, it was more of a, he is the one who knows everything and I need to listen to him. And whatever he says, it must be right because he is the one, you know, and, and because that's how the world worked at that time. Not today. It, it's different. It, it's, you know, I think the function of the instructor is more of a guide, not necessarily the one who knows it all, because, I mean, we simply have a, the data accessible. I can I can pull up or any any and I'm any not saying technique. any <laughs> technique. Any is all and, and and honestly to and honestly it's all free too because most of yeah. it I said you know like the only that's a different topic but like separation between the free YouTube and paid instructionals is 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 the explanation in my opinion you know it, it's it's like the packaging you know but you can get anything on your phone remotely on your on your anywhere you are so. As an instructor, our function has changed. It, it's no longer showing the secrets because there is no secrets. Mm -hmm. It's allowing the student to understand how these concepts, how these motions, how these little systems can be understood in a very easy way. Now, that's the hard part now because we're talking about comprehension. We talk about ed education. We're not talking about jujitsu itself we talk about education how do you how do you present this complex motions these complex motions to a student who's never done it before right now, that is hard right so um and i and i think there is there, there's this very fine line besides being very in-depth conceptual instructor who shows you very high level concept and mechanically how it works versus being, you know, showing step-by-step -step instruction to the student who's never done it before. So I think in some way, at least the way I teach, there's a combination of both and there's a lot of gray area in it. But somebody who's on the mat for first week, month, even next last, you know, first three, four months, showing them step-by-step -step is not a bad thing, actually. It, it kind of holds their hand and allows them to kind of get familiar with some of those complex motions and some of them they've never done before, you know? And so as their body's getting used to all these mechanics that are taking place, now deeper we go into that jujitsu journey, this is, I think, where steps become a um, little bit more useless. Is that even a correct statement? You know what I mean. <laughs> the, Someone's going to hit us up on Instagram and be like, I, step by step, is it useless? I'm a black belt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Uh, uh, believe me. But some, of the, some of the messages I get from my podcast is, is like... <laughs> But anyway, but listen, to his own, right? I mean, it's this is just my opinion, and I stay and right, I stay by right. it. But but you know, as step by step is important to beginner. I think more intermediate you get and deeper you get into that journey. This is, I think, where the creativity comes, and this is where the art part comes, really, truly starts getting born and getting inspired. Because the moment you achieve that blue purple belt, um. Your your own style, your own flavor. You 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 see things. You you want to explore it on your own. And like, how many times have you found yourself in a in a position where instructor shows you? I don't know. Here's A B C D. This is what we are working on. Control the space. Create the angles. Watch your hips. Blah blah blah. And you're like, whoa, I yeah. see one, two, three. And he didn't even talk about any of this. Yep. Yeah. See, this is the creativity part. So, who who am I to stop you from that exploration? You know, like, I think it's great that our brains are so creative and we can explore some of these things that we've never seen before. You know, so there's a very fine line, I think, between that high-level concept and then step-by-step. Step. And I think good instructor really has a deeper understanding of how to teach students 
in which way, depending on who the student is based on their experience, based on their, the, how their brain works. And knowing students is important, that this is how you can really maximize their success, you know? Which, you know, if, you, if I think of like 20 years ago when I was starting, it was like you show up to the academy, you warm up, and then there's like one move and you repeat it 700 times and then you go <laughs> home. And right. life was very different back then. And again, this is not in a judgmental way of teaching back then, but just we didn't know any better. You, today we are smarter. We Things have evolved and, you know, there's intelligence behind, you know, fitness and there's intelligence behind jujitsu and mechanics, how it works. and um, I think at the same time, that makes it easier for the new students, right? Because jujitsu is complicated on its own. Why would we make it even more complicated? Right. So do you, so for me, I kind of have this, uh, and this is just my humble opinion as someone who's been doing jujitsu for a couple of years now. I feel as, you know, new practitioners, they should feed the hunger of knowledge when they can, right? Like if, even if you're like, uh, two, three weeks in your class and you're starting to get, or I wouldn't say that soon, maybe a month or two in class and you're starting to get, you know, very, you're starting to build your base of knowledge. I don't think, I don't think anyone should start researching, in my opinion, I don't think anyone should start researching until they, they've built a firm ground, a firm understanding of some of these very basic ideas and concepts that we go over in class. Because if you build a house on top of a weak foundation, your house mm -hmm. is just going to fall. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to have these foundational moves in order to start building on top of them. So do you feel that online content and all this free stuff like YouTube, BJJ Fanatics, you know, um, do you feel that these are going to have more of a detrimental aspect to them in the long run? Or do you feel that they are going to be more beneficial in the long run? You know, I think... It it's like with almost anything in life, anything in moderation is good. Mm -hmm. If you overdo it, it's going to hurt you in the long run and actually could collapse you completely. So think about it. Like, you know, um, running is beautiful, but if you run too much, you're going to just destroy your knees and hips. Right. It is what it is. I mean, that's number one, you know, injury for most runners, right? So like even, you know, going out and having fun, that's fun. That's, that's great. But if you do it every single day, it's not going to work. You know, it's right. like... So anything with moderation is a good thing. I, I think we are in a world of digital media. That's that that's that's what we are that's what we live in today. So ignoring the fact that you have accessibility to all of these instructors would be very foolish in my opinion. Right. You know, and I do tell my students, go and do research. I mean, go, go research this. But I think there's a very fine line behind doing research and 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 seeking education versus stimulating your eyes with garbage. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like th there's big difference between me going on YouTube and me looking how to pass guard in this specific situation and really studying it versus scrolling through Instagram <laughs> and watching 75 videos in one minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like th yeah. that's a big difference, Yeah. right? So which one are we doing? Right. Like well, let me that, let me that, let me interject in there real yeah. quick because I think you bring up a a great point is weeding through all the BS even yeah. on YouTube. Like yeah. there are still instructors out there that put up things that they know isn't the highest quality movement, but they know that it looks good and someone's yeah. gonna watch it. You know, yeah. like even today. So where how 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 do we decipher through that? It, you know, like. And that's where I kind of go back to maybe you should have a better understanding of these basics so you can be like, mm, I don't really know if that's going to work. Or ask your instructor, like, how do we decipher through that? Yeah, and th listen, that's the hard part. Right? Like, Once again. It, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> – but it, I, I think – well, first of all, if you are a new student and, and you are just beginning this journey, I think conversations with your instructors or higher belts at academies – you know, are important. You know, this is where good instructor will say, listen, stop YouTubing this nonsense because you're looking <laughs> at freaking Baron Bolos and you don't know how to do a transition to the mount, right? But, 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 you know, if you are seeking this information, perhaps look at this guy because he does quality product, you know? And, you know, like, at some point, we also have to look at this as you do get what you pay for. 
And and that's important part too. And and I get it. I'm gonna sound cheap now, and and everybody's gonna say, okay, he's gonna plug his own stuff. And all. but listen, <laughs> but there's, but there's some truth behind this. You know, like all most of the instructors put some content out there just to be create the exposure. Okay, but at the same time, that content is what it is. Like if I prepare a paid instructional to be purchased, my approach to that instructional is going to be very different versus when I'm doing a clip for Instagram. Like think about it from a, from, from a product perspective, right? It's like something that's going to be sold is going to be probably higher quality than something that is given away for free. So, you know, as a student, I think you have to look at it that's from a similar perspective. Now there's plenty of free content that's good quality. I'm not questioning that part, but I'm saying is if you're seeking answers, if you want to educate yourself, if you really want to dig into the we, the the the, the, grind, the if you want to get to the meat and potatoes, right? Perhaps spending thirty bucks on an instructional of high quality instructional is going to bring you bigger results or bigger return versus spending endless hours trying to find something on YouTube and you don't even know if it's good. So, like, we have to make intelligent decisions for ourselves, and and I think that's one of them. You know, it's where do you invest your time? You know, like I, I call this, um, um, uh, oh, now it slipped my mind. Um, <laughs> vortex of YouTube. That's what I call it. You know, it's like that, the bar on the side, you know, it, it, no, it, it the going. suggestion bars, it, it's, this is the most dangerous thing ever. And I, and <laughs> listen, I'm guilty of this charge. Like, you know, half guard passing, boom. And you, you, yeah. you, you, you're going, going, going. And then it's like, oh, yeah. what is this? Oh, what, what? Oh, oh! And then, like three minutes later, you're looking at like I don't know Elon Musk shooting rockets to moon, and like, <laughs> how did you end up in there? You know what I mean? It's like it, <laughs> you, staying focused and staying narrow is hard today. The points of distractions are so crazy, and you know, it's like um, so. From a jujitsu perspective, I, I always tell my students at least, it's like, listen, you you whatever you invest in, you're going to get back. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you are investing in free products like YouTube, great. Stay focused. You know, there, yeah. I think it's it's harder to find things on YouTube because of the oversaturation of videos and and the weeds that you have to get through. It doesn't mean you can't find it. There's there's quality product out there. However, yeah. you have to be organized. You have to do all the work, or you can pay for instruction or wherever you get them from, and then things are organized for you, which means. You don't have to be distracted. Everything is kind of in one bucket. Everything is available to you. And then it's up to you to get the content and convert it into your head and then, you know, make, make use out of it, you know? Because another, another question behind this whole conversation is if you watch content but you do nothing with it. Yeah. Are you wasting your time? Are you wasting space? It could I, be used for something more. I, I, I'm just I'm just the guy asking questions. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> you no, know, I agree. That's that's where I kind of go with it too. Is like uh, the reason I kind of don't really want too many new practitioners <laughs> doing that is because I feel like it's going to take up valuable space if they're mm-hmm. looking up it to, like you mentioned if they're looking up Baron Bolos, but they they can't even like Toriando pass or pass mm-hmm. an open guard. Then mm-hmm. the they're then they're they're just spinning their wheels, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it it's it's really hard and things like. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu X and BJJ Fanatics, the reason that, you know, you have to pay for these is because they just don't allow anyone to come make it. There's not, I'm not going to get uh, an email from Kina Cornelia saying, hey, we want you to come do an instructional for us on Jiu-Jitsu X. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it, they, they curate the people that they come on their platforms for specific yeah. reasons because they know they're going to put out quality content. Yeah, I know, I know Gordon Ryan's instructionals are, you know, $150, $200, sometimes more, but that's because... He has a proven method of doing these moves and techniques. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you might be able to gain a little bit more out of his paid content than some random blue belt that's like might be a host of a podcast that's putting out uh, a good clip that he did in training one day. You know, you just got to keep that in mind also. Yeah, I mean, quality is important. I mean, it, yeah. it's, you know, and there's another component, too, behind all this, I think, is is body types. And, you know, so oh, like... Yeah. Like I don't know. Um, let me let me let me see uh, example example. Let, let's just say you are. Um, we have a student who is five five hundred twenty female, okay, and she's purchasing 
a a um Hodger Gracie. I don't I don't know how tall Hodger is, but six six over yeah, two hundred like pounds. Five, six six, yeah. And and listen, Hodger is one of my favorite players. I love his game. I love what he does. I, I could study him all day long. However, however, Hodger Gracie might not be the best body type for that female. Do you see right. what I'm saying? And now yeah. there's a conflict. Right. So how do we we have to make, again, intelligent decisions behind it versus that female finding somebody who is more or less her size, perhaps somebody who is a little bit more appealing. We have that connection, the way how our brains work, and we can make these make that transition of education a little bit more seamless versus you trying to, you know, jump through hoops is like, well, how come he's doing that? Well, perhaps because his leg is a foot longer than yours. You know, or perhaps he is literally 18 inches taller than you. Yeah. You know, the, these are things that we cannot control. We cannot get longer or shorter. We cannot shrink or expand. Like, we can't. We are what we are, and we have to work with that. So I often say, when you're going to do research, when you're doing privates, when you're going to seminars, you know, there's one is the entertainment component. You want to see that. You want to meet that person. But the other one is are you going to really take something away from that instructor? Mm -hmm. And if so, then maximize it. But if not, then maybe just think about it. If 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 that investment is worth worth the what, what you're putting into it, what you're going to get out of it. You see what I'm saying? So that that's, yeah, that's another absolutely. component that's often underestimated. Yeah, and it it kind of goes to the whole conversation I want to have is like these this concept of education, right? When you yeah. first start, you're just trying to take in as much as possible, and you don't really think about. Like, how is this going to help me? Is this going to hurt me? Is my body type right for this? Mm -hmm. Right? You know, you're so you're so naive to these yeah. these little nuances when it even comes to gaining knowledge. You know, and as you start, you know, becoming more of a senior white belt, you know, a young blue belt, senior blue belt, it all starts to change. It just it just changes and changes and changes, and then you start to realize, well, actually, my game is more of this now. You know, mm -hmm. and then that's that's what's really cool is when you start developing your, your own game, you know, late blue into early purple is really well, I mean, mostly purple, right, is is where you really should start, like knowing what exactly you want to do, right, where you want to go with these things. Right. So when you start developing that, that's to me, that's when things just start getting a whole lot more fun. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I'm 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 at this stage now where. I, I just love putting myself in bad positions and just experimenting. And if I get tapped, it's okay. You know, that's if, if I execute this crazy thing that I want to do that I'm, it's kind of outside of my game, but I feel like it's beneficial for me, then that's a win for me. Right. Yeah. So it's, to go, to go into like the next topic, like how has winning changed from white to black? What, what, what does that look like now compared to when you first started? Welcome, everyone. This episode of Elbows Tight Podcast is brought to you by AminoCo. Travis, go ahead and tell us about AminoCo. So I have been using Perform by AminoCo. It is a 100% science-backed formula, patented, and it is a great pre-workout and intra-workout. Some of the science behind it is it supports athletic performance by triggering muscle protein synthesis and reducing muscle breakdown during exercise. It improves the mental focus and decreases the feelings of fatigue by providing the optimal balance of neurotransmitter precursors. And then finally, it increases nitric oxide production and promotes energy for sustained peak performance. Performance. I've been using this about 30 minutes before my jiu-jitsu classes, and I must say it has been helping me immensely. I feel more focused. I feel more energized. Recovery after class feels much better. I wake up in the, the morning after and don't feel nearly as beaten up, and it, it, it tastes great. I have the pink lemonade right here. Uh, I have the blue raspberry coming in. John, where the, can people at home find this? You can go to aminoco.com slash elbows tight. You can use the code elbows tight. You'll get 30% off. Again, go to aminoco.com slash elbows tight. Use the code elbows tight to get 30% off. And you get a free gift with every purchase. Ooh. Thank you, AminoCo. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I'm laughing because I have like these flashbacks, right? So like, <laughs> like I I think every 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 while, not to categorize people, um, but <laughs> it, it you know every white belt I think goes through this stage of like, I will not tap. It's against the code. Don't ever <laughs> ever ever. Don't even blink. You will go um, out before you tap. You know. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then you get to this purple belt where you're like intentionally putting yourself in chokes. You put intentionally putting your shoulders are so jacked up because you intentionally experiment how far you can take it and all crazy yeah. weaving escapes and all that. And you're becoming a wizard and all the other stuff. You know, I, I think, I think that is a, one of the biggest milestones in everybody's jujitsu is noticing what is important and what our goals are. So when we are in the beginning of the journey, the first year or two, survival is a huge win. Huge yeah, win. Whether we like victory. it or not. Yeah. Whether we like it or not, survival is like the objective of the life. Like you will not get passed and smashed. No. I don't <laughs> care for my yeah. I'll, like I'll die before you do that, right? <laughs> And, and <laughs> same thing with submissions. Like how many times do you see, you know, a, a, you know, somebody in the beginning of the journey, they are rolling and the choke is fully in, they go red, they go white, they go blue, and they are still not tapping. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like what is the point behind this? Right. But, but in, in, in all full justification is we, we don't know any better. Like we, we just don't like, we, we don't know, you know, how to escape. We don't know whether, that's important or not. Like nobody, we, we haven't been exposed to all this. So even though, you know, it, it sounds crazy, especially looking in retrospect, like I look back 20 plus years ago and I was like, man, I was so stupid. Like my, <laughs> I, my body would be so much <laughs> more appreciative today, you know, but it is what it is. We all go through these motions, you know? And I think as we mature up, through our jujitsu, as we get better, as we have a larger comprehension of what is happening around us, this is where the evolution of jujitsu starts taking place internally, you know, and I call this a jujitsu intelligence. That's what I tell my students. You're getting smarter about your jujitsu. Tapping somebody out is no longer the objective. Mm -hmm. Now, objective is point of control. Because see, you know, you know, when you have that shoulder fully controlled the way you want it, that submission is literally just a move away. So you're not hyper-focusing on that submission. That submission is almost irrelevant. Like, th this, is, this is the feeling that a lot of students describe as, you know, my instructor is always five moves ahead of me. You know, and like I always tell everybody like we, we can't read minds we we, we can't be three <laughs> steps ahead of you we can't we just can't. but what i can do is put you in a fully controlled position where i know you only have two choices either you're going to walk into my submission or you will lean in the opposite direction and you will begin escaping and at that point i will make my adjustments like and and that is really that intelligence that i often talk about you know and and with that being said our objectives change. Our goals change. You know, again, the submission is not as important as the point of control. You know, maybe, um, and even think about it this way. If you can control somebody to the point where they do everything that you want them to do, now how much fun that could be. You know what I mean? Now that, now you're talking about creativity. You move this way, they do this. You move that way, they do it. And this is, you know, this is what, like a lot of, you know, beginning beginner students experience is like you know he's just toying with me he's just you know he's just doing whatever he wants well in, in a way yes you know it, <laughs> <clears throat> but often that is you know kind of what you you talked about a moment ago it's it's that shifting of those goals you know and how winning has a different definition now you know it, it's like some of the students that um um, we, we do one-on-ones or private lessons or kind of hyper-focus on specific things to help them, you know, achieve their goals. Like they often have homework and, you know, mm. over a week or two, they have to go back and, and like even I did a private this morning with two gentlemen and, and, um, you know, one of them had, um, one of them had an objective of you will put yourself intentionally in an open guard position. I don't want your feet to be closed at all. I want their feet to be open. And you will allow them to start passing the guard. And then you will react accordingly. You need to make sure that they don't pass all the way full, but you need to be vulnerable because you locking your legs behind their back and squeezing those knees together does nothing to your guard retention. You need to put yourself in a vulnerable right. position. And this is what smart drilling is. 
you know? Now, I'm not talking to do that in a full sparring session because obviously the result is going to be very different. But when we are practicing, <laughs> when we are drilling, when we are going through these points of exploration, you know, we need to put ourselves in a vulnerable position. And that's what I would call a win. If you are able to retain that guard, that's your win because that was your goal. You know, it's not the sweep. It's not a submission. Your goal is to retain the guard. And if you succeed, gold star for you. Good for you. Let's talk about what went well. Let's talk about what didn't go well. Let's make adjustments from there. Oh, you there? Okay. Sorry, did I lose you? Yeah, for a second there. So the last okay. thing you said was, let's talk about what went well and what didn't go well, right? Yeah. So, you know, and based okay. on that, you can start reestablishing the goals and you can begin seeking a new path. This is where these forks are coming into play. This is what you talked about a little bit earlier, you know, making intelligent decisions, how to grow your game as you continue evolving. So... Do, do you find that in your jiu-jitsu often where um, this, the, the, this winning, quote-unquote, has been redefined over X amount of years that you've been on the mat? Absolutely. When I first started, I thought winning was tapping people, <laughs> even as a white belt, right? Winning was I tapped someone, they didn't tap me, right? That was a, that was a win for me. But even as a white belt, I start to realize that like that's not that's not winning. Like I could have just overpowered them. I could have just they could have just gave it mm -hmm. to me or or whatever. And then I really started to take into consideration survival. Like you mentioned also, as a white belt, your whole white belt should be learning how to survive. Right? You should you should learn how to be able to defend from every position, how to give everyone the hardest time possible of submitting you. And and to me, the even that kind of changes too because my my survival technique was being as still as possible sucking up every bit of space so someone can't get my arms away from me mm -hmm. and i'm a strong guy so it was already hard yeah. enough for them to to get my arms away from me to move my hands to get out of a, a choke or something like that and then it changed to you know like well i should probably start being more active in my survival i should probably try to advance my position in this survival right instead of just having someone in mount and then just being as as tight as possible and them not being able to do anything yeah that that's that's you survived right but did you really do anything? <laughs> well, and that—that's like a separate topic here. But it's—it's—it's right. it's very interesting to look at a definition of survival and defending. Yeah, you know, it, it's like that's often had conversation with many instructors out there. You know, especially in the in this blue belt, maybe early—I mean, I'm sorry—in the white belt in the early blue belt stages, where we often think that survival is actually a good thing. Like, the, the, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, and I, I always try to challenge my students, at least, it, you know, to think about it as what are you gaining from survival? Like what, mm -hmm. what, what, what is your takeaway after you have survived after that process is done, you know, and somebody a while back told me, um, you know, surviving is just like coexisting. You 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 you're not doing anything. You you're just trying to stay alive essentially. And if yeah. that's your objective, life is good. No judgment whatsoever. However, defending is very different because now you oh, are stopping. Yeah, yeah. You're stopping your partner from progressing, right? So you're not coexisting. You 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 making action to actually impact your partner, right? And now if you take this one step further, escaping is now one step further. Now you making action to remove yourself out of that situation, right? So like you have these three different, slightly different stages or different action points, but they are very different, you know? And sometimes we, we um, I, I think we, we mix them, you know? There's some gray area and often we, we think that when we are surviving, we are actually escaping and you know, we, we, we often not. And I think a lot of points of conflict comes in and then, you know, we're getting smashed and destroyed and we go home and we cry and cry about it later. Pillow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, I do it. Every I think night. that's, I think that, you know what? I'm not even gonna lie to you. I didn't even think about that as maybe that was a, a slight progression in my idea of survival, right? Survival, like you mentioned, is coexisting in a role and not being submitted. And then you go into, 
now I want to start. Uh, what was the second one that you said? It was defending, defending right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now you're defending. So now someone goes for this move and you're able to stop them and then mm-hmm. maybe even get to a better position and then escaping, you can completely disengage from a bad position. That's a great point. And, I de- and honestly, I that just changed my idea of what, what I thought <laughs> survival was because there definitely is a tier progression on mm-hmm. how you could go from there. And then as you, as you you know you start escaping and then into your late white belt early blue belt then you can start reversing you could start oh, yeah. you know doing these these different things to gain a position or to gain a a a ticket in your in your booth you know what I mean like you're like Absolutely. all right now now I'm now I'm going to start building moment, momentum because you mm-hmm. you I was able to get you off of me or something like that too yeah it's no a great, and I great think way that- to look at it yeah, and, and it, you know, like I would encourage everybody to really think about these stages of positioning as they are actually rolling, as they are, as they are experiencing it. Because, like, think about it, just envision this. You are in the bottom of side control. Your arms are out open, and they are just smashing you right on top. Are you, make, are you doing anything in order for you to defend? <laughs> no. no, but yet, yet, think about this, but yet, often... The question comes out, how do I escape from this position? Right? Like, th- that's a very general question. Like, how do I escape from this position? And, and, and in my mind, is like, you can't escape. Right now, you cannot escape because you're not defending. You, 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 yeah, you're not making any frames. You're not protecting yeah, man, yourself great, at all. Look at this. You know? <laughs> but, like, the moment you start defending, you create your frames, you turn to the side, you create angles, your hips are free, you know, you're creating a little bit of space, you're controlling the distance and so on, right? Now you're defending. Okay, you're defending. That means you're not surviving. That means there is no struggle, you're not coexisting, you're actually making intelligent decisions. Now, once you start defending, now we can start escaping. So now you're removing yourself out of this bad situation and you're progressing out to, towards something that's more beneficial to you, right? So... As you are escaping, you're no longer defending anymore. This is not you defending. You're not stopping him from doing. You're actually making action, doing something else. So, but see, when you put yourself in one of those three brackets, you clearly know what to do. Because when you are escaping, you are not surviving. You're not. When you're defending, you are not escaping. When you're surviving, you're definitely not escaping, nor you serve. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like yeah. you, you're in one of those three. Now you have to make a decision, which one are you in? And then life is easier. You know, it's like we find ourselves in the bottom of side control and your arms are out, your legs are out, you're getting smashed, your face is turning red because you got the, the shoulder of love yeah. smashing right into you. hundred kilos are fully in play. You know, it's like, I can't escape. Yeah. Jesus is beautiful. Yeah, it's it's great because hopefully this someone at home listens to this because it's honestly like now I'm like, man, I really have to kind of go through the stages of survivability. I'll start calling that the stages of survivability, <laughs> right? In order to to progress into this. I think it's great. And then it could go into you can even add that into your your idea of winning, right? And, oh, yeah. and kind of like to, to the beginning of this conversation or this topic, kind of back into your idea of winning. If your idea of winning right now is surviving, then that's mm-hmm. great. If your idea of winning is defending, even better. And then ultimately your your idea of winning should be escaping. You know, Absolutely. like this could all go back to that idea mm-hmm. at the beginning of the, this topic because it, it can then it can give you a goalpost to move towards. Right. Oh, you're like your your goalpost shouldn't always be survivability. In no. that idea, you know what I mean. Yeah. It should you should be able to get move that goalpost a little bit further and further down the field in order to you know progress because progression is going to look different too in each stage of your journey as well. Because progression at the beginning is learning how to shrimp, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, man, I just can't, I can't figure out or how to Granby roll down the down the. Man, let me tell you, I'm not quick side story. Learning to Granby roll for for Travis at the beginning was was me basically rolling on my side down the mat thinking that I was inverted. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the first time I did it down the mat, I was like, man, this is great. Then the other night, we're Granby rolling as part of the warm-up, and I've been doing it the same way for two, three years now. Mm-hmm. No, longer than that. And then my instructor looks at me. He says, Travis, you're doing it wrong. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is how I've always done my Granby rolls. He's like, no, you put your arms behind your back, not under your legs. I was like, what and i did it and i was like 
Oh my God, I've been doing it wrong, man. Like, <laughs> it's so funny how that happens, you know? Yeah, no, and and the, the, I think the the like the ir- irony of this whole situation is that we probably do think about this. We probably do something wrong every single day, and we have no idea yeah. about it. No idea, no clue. You just going yeah. through it, and you know, it, it's like you just. That's how I've done it. That's how I've done it for that's twenty just, years. Like, that's how. Yeah. It, it has to be good. So, so kind of like to tracking progression, how, how would you recommend people track their progression? Because there's a def- couple different things that come to my mind, yep. like journaling, yep. uh, reflection. I, I've, lately, I've been, I got my, my bachelor's degree in uh, organizational leadership. And one thing that they talk about a lot is reflection, uh, you know, looking how far you've came or what worked and didn't work, kind of like to your point beforehand. And then uh, one thing I like, too, is like videoing myself to to see what my technique looks like. And then also videoing my instructor if he allows me to like, hey, can I video this real quick for for studying later? Mm-hmm. So wh- where where do you think uh, a practitioner will gain the most value in in documenting their their progression yeah so um first of all as you are talking sorry about my reach if you're watching this video but i wanted to i was like this. you can't so hug look, me you can't hug no, me thomas i was <laughs> trying but no but, no I, listen i want to i want to show you this so th- this is my this is my training is that journal. wood no it's just uh leather oh i leather, thought it was wood leather. it looks good yeah no but this is my this is my journal and I, like you can't read stuff in here but because there's a lot of stuff but it, it, it you know there it, i write every day I, I journal mm. a lot. This is my podcast journal. Boom. So everything that's happening on a podcast. And I have two more of these at home. So, and they all have different purpose. Okay. And th- the reason why I'm showing you this, because people hate journaling. They hate taking notes. People don't want to write things down. And let me, let me just make everybody upset out there. Okay. Because that's <laughs> what I do best. Making notes on your phone is not journaling. That's not journaling. Okay. <laughs> th- there is something... There, there is something um, that have been proven over the years, and there, there are studies out there. You can find them, Google them. But there is something about you taking a pen and writing with your own hand on a piece of paper, okay? Your brain, the, the, the function of writing things down with, with, with a pen engages a different part of the brain that you would take a note on the phone or record it or do other things, right? So... And that seals the information by far deeper and by far longer than any other function or any other way that you would you, you would take notes. Okay, so one, I'm a huge note taker. I love it. I encourage my students to do it. Matter of fact, if you do privates with me, you don't have a notepad, like I will send you out to the front desk to get a paper because you <laughs> need to take notes during private lessons. Like you have to, you know? And so I, I try to show that to my students as a very powerful way of um of their um um uh, information retention let's just let's just call it that okay but that's not all of it you can do other things that they, they are they are as beneficial right and in, in video you mentioned it's phenomenal phenomenal tool that didn't exist for me when i was studying and i use it all the time when we are doing you know especially like i mentioned you know students having homework you know when they work on specific things for themselves you know i tell them record it and bring it back. I want to see what you are working on. And here's the kicker. If you've never recorded yourself, do it. I'm, t- I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> do it. Because what you think you are doing, very likely you are not it's doing not. it. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you endless amount of, as a matter of fact, matter of fact, there was a tournament recently here locally. And <laughs> we were, we were at the tournament and one of the students, you know, uh, did very well. And, and we are, kind of reflecting after the whole thing. And, you know, he was like, man, I was struggling with this and, and, and I was doing blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you sure? Like, which match are you talking about? He's like, this, Matt, this. I was like, no, you're no, you, you are not in that position. And he was like, no, I was, I was, I'm telling I was, I was like, dude, I was watching you. You, you were not in that position. I was like, right. let's pull the tape. Let's pull the tape. So he gets his phone. He rewinds it to the point where he's talking about, he's like, huh, Okay, I thought. I guess I was. Blah blah blah. I guess I was not. You know, and but th- th- this is the intriguing part about our brains. You know, it- it's like what we think sometimes appears around us, or, or what we think we are doing 
under high stress level situation, we, we are not necessarily doing it. We might be envisioning it as we want to do it. Our brain registers differently. Anyway, where I'm going with all of this is that record yourself. You would find it so, so amazingly eye-opening what you really do versus what is happening. It is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. So, like, when, when we do tournaments or students do tournaments, I always tell them, record it. Otherwise, I cannot give you feedback. Like, yeah, you know, I want tangible, unquestionable data visually that we can analyze. Same thing with sparring sessions when they have homework or when we work on specific things. I ask them to perform specific drills. I was like, record yourself. Because now we can pause it. We can highlight it. See, watch this balance points. You're leaning forward. Your posture is broken. That means you're off balance. One motion yeah. here, you're going to fall. All this can be very easily highlighted and analyzed, you know, to benefit the student. Now, the trick here behind all of this, and that's the hardest part for every student, is putting yourself in a point of vulnerability when you are being recorded and then later essentially criticized because that's what that's what point of education really is. You know, it's it's finding the areas where you want to improve and be vulnerable enough to say, yep, this is not the best point for me and I really need to make changes in order for me to continue growing. So identify some of those points of improvement is very important. And one of the ways is really to record yourself. You know, so, um, and then, you know, setting goals, like it, I think jujitsu is so difficult to measure. Um, it, it's so hard, especially in the beginning when we really have our, our goals and objectives are, um, you know, like destroying people and submitting everybody <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and uh, all that it, it, setting a realistic and really um, tangible goals is really, really important for, for, for every student, you know, and this is, I think where instructors come in really with a lot of power, you know, go talk to your instructors and say, listen, what should I be working on? Okay. Or better, better. Don't rewind that, remove that from the episode, gone, <laughs> disappear. No, don't ask him, what should I be working on? And go to the instructor and say, listen, I want to improve my guard. What do you recommend? that I do to improve my gut retention. Boom. And now we have something smart. Now we have something tangible. Now, now a good instructor will tell you, okay, well, let's take a look at the situation. Boom. This is okay. I want you to keep distance. I want you to control this distance. I want you to have your frames in. I want you to move your hips. You know, perhaps, you know, I'm, you're leaning flat on your back. Let's make these adjustments. Now, see, now we are talking about some tangible changes that we can apply every single time we find ourselves in this spot. So now we can go back and now we can make some of these improvements. So, but none of this really starts. None of this really starts. If you are unable to put yourself in the vulnerable spots of being viewed and criticized or criticized is not a good word for, to describe this, critiqued. but to, to critique or, or given feedback you know, but being vulnerable to hearing that is, is, is a good point. And then, you know, make notes like what, you know, okay. I rolled six times today. Who did I roll with? I rolled with John. I rolled with Bobby. I rolled with, you know, blah, 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 blah. How did it go? Okay. Here I passed the guard so many times, blah, blah, blah. Here I got, okay. Bobby caught me by surprise in a triangle choke. Okay. Let's believe that. And here's the beautiful part behind note-taking or setting like these points of reflection every day that if you look at them over a month or two or six, a longer period of time, you're going to start noticing, damn, Bobby's catching me in triangles every single time. Mm. Now, why? Why? Why is Bobby catching me in triangles? Well, maybe Bobby's 6'6", six, six, and it's, that's, his, that's his just very, you know, that's very appealing to him. It's very easy for him. Okay. But that doesn't change that I need to change something in order for Bobby not to catch me. So perhaps I need to look at my posture. Perhaps I need to look at a space control. Perhaps I need to give up pressure passing where my head goes in first. Maybe I need to stand up and separate myself. But see, all of this creates a pattern. And now I can react to that pattern. And if I do react to the pattern accordingly to what I need to do, my success will go up. Versus not even acknowledging the fact that Bobby catches me in triangle every week and I don't even know why. So 
you know, I think we have a lot of tools today where we can learn, rephrase, that we can educate ourselves about jujitsu. It's not only a learning, but it's actually a true education, finding points of improvement, finding how to make the changes and continue growing versus showing up and brainlessly rolling for an hour, you know, hoping or you know, forcing submissions and being that guy, you know, that girl. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I perhaps a unique point of view here. But I do think that the moment we stop progressing in jiu-jitsu, this is when we quit. It's not, mm-hmm. but it's not that we don't like it. You know, like, I, I was actually having this conversation with somebody um, recently, and they asked me, have you ever run into somebody who didn't like jiu-jitsu? And I, honestly, I don't know if I ever have. I, everybody, even the people who stop training, they love jiu-jitsu. Just it's not their priority. And a lot of them, a lot of them, they stop training because they don't feel they are getting better. Their priorities are changing. And that's a again separate topic here, but often we don't get better because our priorities change and we don't train often enough or you know, consistency mm-hmm. is not there. It's like the vicious circle. You know, I don't want to train yep. more because I'm not good enough, but I'm not good enough because I don't train more. And it's like, right. what came first, the egg or the chicken, you know? I was just thinking so, that same thing. <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, like, no, that's, I'm going to get it. So where, when did you, when did you start picking up the, the idea of, <laughs> you know, putting so much importance on tracking your journey? Did you do it as a, like from a day one white belt? And if not, do you think that you would have progressed faster if you would have? Yeah, no, definitely. That came along probably towards brown, if not black belt, mm. um, late, late in my journey. And actually all that source from my corporate job where I was involved in multiple meetings every single day and just tracking things was impossible. You know, talking to dozens of people every single day and knowing what they say, when they said it, what needs to get done, it was, it was very challenging. Um, and I start taking notes quite a bit you know, tasking everything and, and really checking things off, you know, as, as days or weeks were passing by. And at some point I have converted this to jujitsu because it just started becoming very chaotic, you know, and, and it really, to be honest with you, it all started with a very simple kind of journal concept of today was a good day on the mat, you know, or today sucks. I got smashed. <laughs> I mean, most of my days. you know but that's how it started it it just started with very simple date and you know one kind of descriptor of of what how the day was how the training was and then it kind of evolved into um three good things and three bad things you know and i start really seeking deeper and saying you know okay today was good because blah 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 you know and and this was good too this was good too and then okay well, it was good, but I still found three things that I could do better. I had three things that I didn't like, three things that I could improve on, things, three things that I needed to highlight from a negative perspective, just so you have a kind of anchor point. On, on, it's not everything is, you know, unicorns and rainbows. Jiu-Jitsu is difficult. It's complex, you know. So it, highlighting these things. And then, you know, as time went on, it kind of pivoted off of that and and there were goals like how do i change these three things okay so next time i need to do blah 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 and and now now it's pretty natural at this point like i I, you know i end of every day i sit down before i go home and you know i i kind of reflect on a day and write things down and sometimes i put quotes in there and i some sometimes i put things that somebody said something or or you know a, a, a comment the student made or impact that was made on me you know, so like in, in, in all that allows me to create more trackability of jujitsu and, and, um, the students who, who have taken that on, I, I, I see a lot of success, um, from that perspective. Would that change? Would that improve my jujitsu if I started that earlier? I'm pretty sure it would. But honestly, I, yeah. I wasn't that smart. I, I wasn't that smart. No, that, you know, when I was starting jujitsu, I was like, Box of bricks. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we were all there, man. You don't you don't start getting that flow until 
until you really start understanding when you're on potty and then how how to how these moves actually are supposed to work. And I mean, I'm I've been like I mentioned, I've been doing it for coming up on five years now, and I'm still every day I'm I'm in class that I training thinking, what am I doing, man? Like this is this this feels wrong, you know. And being able to ask my instructor on like, hey, I I need your help. Could you could you come here just for a split second? Tell me why I'm stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? And yeah. So, um, it's just it's just crazy. the 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 more you do it, the more reps you get in, the easier it is to understand, right? And the more times you fail, the more you can learn, right? Like failure's yeah. not not it, failure's not the absence of success. You know what I mean? Failure is part of success in in my Absolutely. eyes. You know what I mean? You you gotta you gotta be to your point. You gotta be able to be vulnerable and put yourself in these positions and and tell yourself, I don't know anything. You know, like even there's there's so much knowledge that everyone has that I don't have, that you don't have, that Helio Gracie didn't have, you know, that we have to be humble to the point to where we can be like, I don't know as much as I think I do, you know, and and, and, and that only comes through time. Yeah, and I agree. And even even I I, I do believe that even when you do get to the black belt level, there's still points that answers I don't know, you know, and and and. Like I, 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 again, going back to the beginning of the conversation, I, I don't know if there is one person in jujitsu world who knows everything. I like I, I, I think what's interesting is that it a, a good instructor actually has the ability to admit and say, I, you know, I don't know. However, I can help you figure it out. Yeah, because I'll get you know, back. I, I have I have understandings <laughs> of some of these things, and and. Let's sit down. Let's brainstorm. Let's figure this out. Let's like let's let's unfold. Let's untie this knot. Let's 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 see what's what's underneath here, you know. But I don't have that answer. I've never been in that position, you know. And that's possible. I mean, why why wouldn't it be, you know? So points of vulnerability, you know. It's what 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 is that what what is that phrase? Um, step one of solving a problem is admitting there is one. I yeah. Mean, how many times are we, you know? It's like no, I know everything. Oh. I'm the man. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, then why didn't that work? Right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Thomas. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Uh, if you want to go ahead and plug yourself again, where can people find you at and follow your show and everything like that? Yeah. So we, we are, you know, Instagram is the best way to get in touch with you. So everybody, if anybody wants to drop me a line, feel free to do it. Um, my last name, um, just look it up. Only one Polish guy with R-O-Z-D-Z. Um, so it's, it's not that hard to find, but, um, but if, yeah, if you want to tune into our podcast, we have, you know, at this point over hundred episodes with great names and great stories, um, digging into, you know, kind of historical part of jujitsu and getting into the true story behind it. Every, every individual, the role radio, um, is, is out there. Every podcast platform, check it out. And then I also do, and that's really not as popular as, as the role radio, but I also do ask a black ball podcast, which is one question, um, you know, questions sent to me from, uh, from everywhere all around. And I just record the answers, put them out there. It's on YouTube. It's on all podcast platforms. Feel free to, to dig into it. Um, you know, if that helps somebody out there, then I'm happy to, to contribute. Well, thank you, Thomas, once again for coming on the show. This was a great conversation. I feel like we uh, definitely showed the progression of when you first start to when you first start again at, at Black Belts. <laughs> thank you for all your answers today, man. I, I can't wait for people to listen to this at home. So thank you, everyone, for listening and watching it at home. And remember, no oil checks here. John's not here, so I got to say it. Oh, <laughs> thanks, guys. Later. Later. <laughs>